You're listening to All About Property Sourcing with Paul Rose, brought to you by the Sourced Property Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the first All About Property Sourcing podcast. I'm Emma, and today I'm introducing Paul, who will be speaking to Rob, a source franchisee, about his property journey so far. Hi, I'm Paul, and with me today is Rob Maloney, who up until a few years ago was a British Army captain serving overseas in Afghanistan, the Falklands, Canada and Cyprus. Rob had little property sector experience, apart from buying a couple of his own buy-to-lets, while still serving in the Army. But his career in the force has taught him some valuable life lessons, and lessons he could apply in his new chosen career as a property sourcer. Rob's a busy individual, networking and sourcing, and recently banked his first ever deal. So let's find out a little bit more from the man himself. So Rob, tell us a little bit more. Thanks for the intro, Paul. As you say, my previous employment was as a captain in the British Army. Um, so very little to do with the property sector. However, I did dabble in property on a part-time basis. A kind of family investment idea, really, um, because I lived out of a bag until my early 30s, whether that was travelling the world, being in the British Army, and then... Eventually, when you hit your 30s and you realise you're still living out of a bag, you, you realise something needs to change. So, what started off as a part-time role is eventually turned into a full-time job. And I recruited early on the skill set of my builder brother. And initially, he was I was finding deals, and my brother was converting just the, the, the smaller deals, about the market value, below market value um, buy-to-lets. And then I made a decision, which at some stage everybody has to make if they want to. Um, work for themselves was to leave full-time employment and I made that decision early on in 2016 and then from then on the interest in property just took just took off really so what was a part-time hobby turned into a full-time role and I think I've been with Source now eight months and it was just about making the interest a bit more of a professional uh, output which is coupled with uh, mine and my brother's construction firm. Excellent it sounds like you've got a good set up there with the, your brother having the construction firm and yourself fi- finding the deals as well so that's really good so rob everyone in the uh, in the property industry uh, talks about having a gold mine area and uh, yours is uh, ripe with opportunities so if you want to tell us a little bit more about your area and the opportunity there yeah well since i joined source about uh, my gold mine area at was Bolton, but I'm actually a Salfordian. I've got the, the fortunate position to be slap bang in the middle of various gold mine areas, depending on your strategy. But I did cho- choose Bolton because I believe over the long term, Bolton has got um, some very good opportunities for the property investor. Not to withstand any other thing that's happening in, in and around Bolton, but there's a billion pound investment, um, and that'll be that's from some private investors but also from the government and that will come into fruition the final stages by 2030 so the long-term benefits of greater manchester as a whole are very good uh, and obviously as manchester gets busier it um, the investment pushes out and bolton is only 11 miles i think from from manchester so it's it's a stone's throw away and the transport links have already been upgraded it will become a very attractive commute town for anyone working in manchester Excellent, I'm sure it will. So, talking of Bolton, let's dive in and uh, discuss your deal that you've recently completed on, which was in Bolton. Yes, it was actually. It was just just outside of the of the town centre, and it was actually two terrace properties. And from the outside, it doesn't look as big as it actually is. But once you go inside the property, you can see that someone at some stage has put a lot of effort into converting it. 
into a substantial eight bed HMO. Originally that was on the market for £180,000 and I eventually got uh, my offer accepted of £150,000. That's a, that's a hell of a reduction there from 180 down to 150. So how did you go about getting the offer accepted? 30 grand below asking price. Um, in this case, it was all down to persistence. Obviously, there'll be other investors um, that are willing to put their offers in. And I'd actually offered, I kept my offer at the 150 mark right from the beginning. But I realised once you put an offer in, just go back get back in contact with the agent or look to see if it's been put on because something might, might have happened and in this particular case the sale did fall through but when it eventually came back to the market um, the they were a bit more motivated to sell so eventually the offer that was accepted which worked for me and my investors um, was finally pushed over the line. Am I right in thinking this one was with receivers? Eventually it got to that stage. Yeah yeah, yeah. okay so Brilliant. You have a so you have an operational HMO, uh, almost fully tenanted, I believe, and it's undervalued due to it being with the receivers. So you're thinking you have an ideal property to source onto an investor. So what sort of return was HMO offering? What what did the numbers look like? I always try and offer investor properties the type of property that I would want to buy myself, and it didn't work for me until it hit the 150 mark. Um, but once we did get it down to that, the return on investment was around 26%, and which that eventually offered an 8% yield. And the cash flow per month is, uh, is around, um, I think it's £1,000. So again, uh, the fact that it, they got it for mar uh, below market value, the fact that it's already an operational HMO, made it an attractive deal for the, for the right investor that wanted to invest in Bolton. Yeah, I'm sure. Excellent. So, offer accepted. What were the next steps? I guess proving the end values. You were flipping this one straight on for a, a sourcing fee, I take it. So how did you go about proving the real end value? Uh, well, initial research was obviously, because it's a commercial value, we looked at the the annual rent, which for this property was, I think it was around the 25,000 mark. So then we used an eight times multiplier. Uh, which gave the property a value of around just shy of 200,000. Eventually we got a RICS surveyor to come and double check our calculations and he valued the property at 195,000 so it was just shy of, of what we thought the value the property was worth. Brilliant and I, I guess getting the valuation meant that you're offering a proven discount to the investors. Yeah well once that happens obviously investors um, are more happy with how we've come about our valuation and most importantly we can prove because RIT surveys are independent of our valuation and it just confirms that the property ended up being 23% below market value. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I think, I think I'm sure you, you'll agree Rob that there's many people out there trying to sell a supposed investment property but more often than not the valuation doesn't stack up for, for whatever reason. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you get them as well as me, myself. You get deal emails every single week but the few and far between are actually deals. So I think getting a RIC survey or at least a desktop valuation is the minimum you should be presenting to investors when showing them a potential opportunity. And uh, like I said before, you know, proving that discount and backing up what you're presenting is key to building trust and uh, I suppose doing an ethical job when sourcing as well. So you found an investor and sold the deal for a nice big fee, was it that easy? It never is. <laughs> it, it never is, but it, and, and you can only charge a nice fee if you actually <coughs> give the investor something he couldn't have found for him or herself um, and negotiating a good price is just a start uh, so three main issues you're going to find is building trusting relationships does take time so don't rush that part of it it's important that 
you're not just seeing them as a cash cow, you're, seeing, you're solving their, their investment problems for them. Uh, also communication, communication at all stages is key and it's not just communication with the buyer, it's with the seller, it's with the solicitors, it's, it's with whoever's involved in that particular deal. And the final one really is don't be afraid of problems. Problems aren't a problem. The only problem with a problem is not dealing with the problem. That's a bit of a riddle for you there. <laughs> and I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think I think as a source, I'm sure you'll agree as well, that it, it's tough to get the first one over the line. Uh, there's always issues and hurdles, as we've just discussed, that come to light. And But you do just have to deal with them. Uh, I remember my first deal being an absolute nightmare. Many sleepless nights, and it took way longer than expected and almost fell over a number of times due to the investor demanding various different things. But but one particular thing at the last minute was a reduction to the sourcing fee, uh, just as we were about to exchange. Because, and this sounds ridiculous, but because the front door looked like it had some marks on it. You literally couldn't write it. But it's you know, it's a roller coaster of emotions, especially when you're waiting on a fee and you just you just want the deal to get across the line. So Having completed on that deal, Rob, and banked the money, how did that feel when the money finally hit the account? Was it worth all the troubles? Well, it's obviously always nice to, to get paid, and property sources, there's no guarantee of getting paid. So you could spend four, five, six months on particular projects and, and come out with nothing but a, a learning curve by the end of it. But for me, it's obviously nice to get paid because obviously now you've proved that the system works. All you now have to do is go back and, and finesse the system, make sure that if you did make some errors on the first one, you don't make those errors on the next one. Yeah, yeah. So having bagged this one, what's next for Mr Bolton? Well, I concentrate mainly on below market value deals uh, and also commercial to residential conversions because obviously that complements um, our construction company so it'll be more of the same for me so if anyone's looking for HMOs below market values or e even commercial to residential stuff um, please get in contact yeah I think to give uh, just just to finish up now I think I think to give some value to uh, the listeners giving some top tips would be valuable so that would what would be your top tips for anyone trying to get their first deal over the line as a property sourcer one of the personal ones, I mean, now I've been doing it for a while, it's very different from the construction industry because you can, you can wake up one morning and your deals fall out of bed and then, by, you know, if you if you concentrate on, again, like I said before, fixing the problem, you can actually bring the the, prob the, the deal back to being a potential deal again. So it's just to keep your, your nerves, you know, because when you're moving into this, you might not have seen big money floating around before. The size of the, of the deal is irrelevant. You know, because the process is quite similar, uh, unless you go into the, to the larger projects. But I don't touch those. So it's just to to make sure you find the system and then f and then tweak your system after each deal or even during the deal. Your power teams are also important. So my power team is very different to my brother's power team because he concentrates on the building side. Your power team, from a sources point of view, is having a solicitor you can trust. So it's making sure that. You, the, the value is you, you make you don't, they're not part of your power team but you can give them information that they need to make sure that the valuation is um, is in the right ballpark because they, don't, they won't necessarily do all the research that you've already done obviously the paperwork in place if you are going to tenant it I mean I don't deal with the management of, of these properties but having good management agents that you can pass the property on to also helps um, with your reputation in the area and can also help you find and, and secure deals quicker as, as you form that relationship with the management or um, t 
tenancy uh, people um, and investors as well it's you don't sell an investor any old deal only sell an investor a deal that's right for them and listen to their problems if a deal falls over for whatever reason it can be a collection of problems or it could be one individual problem but like I said problems you have to become comfortable with problems because you're going to have a lot and then pushing it along early on that it's, it's a weekly sometimes a daily occurrence to try and push something along and that's why for me one of the, the key things I took away from my first few deals is to have a solicitor that understands that you need to be quick on your certain deals because there's nothing worse than two, two things for me that will finish a deal early is taking too long or and that's something you've got control over or if the valuation doesn't stack up you don't really have control over that sometimes sometimes you can give, give comparables but then the um the valuation is, is nowhere near anyway but you know that, that's a different story okay rob cheers for that and it's uh, it, it's been fun today hearing about your journey in property if you want to join us uh, on the next podcast if you've got some value there for, from rob and listen to his story be sure to tune in for the next one and uh, we'll see you soon Thanks, Paul and Rob, for that. If you've got any property sourcing questions, send them in to us at podcast at sourced.co and we will try to cover them on the next episode. So that just about wraps up this mini podcast. So subscribe to the show so you won't miss out on this and the main podcast with Steve and Chris. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Visit sourced.co for free training videos and blogs 